Hello dear listener, I'm Will Venus, welcome to my podcast, Life at Your Own Will. This is a podcast where we entertain, educate and advocate, and in this super special episode we are doing all three of those things. I had the pleasure of sitting down and having a chat with my friend, who just so happens to be based over 5,000 miles away. She is the effervescent YouTuber, she is an excellent psychologist, and in my opinion an undiscovered comedian, she really is the moment. Let me introduce you to the YouTube sensation known to her legions of fans across the world as Smiley Shani. Enjoy the interview. Hi everyone and welcome to Life at Your Own Will podcast. I'm your host Will Venus and I'm so excited because today I'm joined by one of my friends. She's a YouTuber, she's a psychologist and she's just an all-round funny girl. Welcome Shani. Hi. (laughs) Hi. How are you? I like that you called me a YouTuber. (laughs) Yeah sometimes um, when when you refer to someone as a YouTuber they're like oh oh are they going to be one of those problematic (laughs) YouTubers? (laughs) (laughs) but um thankfully neither of us are either of those things because i'm not on youtube for all that do you you like the drama of youtube no no you know when i initially started watching like makeup youtube i was like oh my god there's so much drama i love it but after a while i was just like this is supposed to be a thing that i have fun with i don't want the drama yeah absolutely and i always think that when you're kind of drawn into that world of are they doing this? Are they doing that? It, well, it certainly for me, it affects my mental health. So I just avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're just on, on YouTube just to have fun, basically, and make friends, aren't we? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So seeing yeah, honestly, all the drama is not fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know about you, but I have met so many friends on YouTube mm-hmm. that I would, like, I would never ordinarily meet in my real life, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have two. And actually, I've gotten to hang out with three people that I've met on YouTube. Oh, that's so cool. I'm, honestly, so when that's I watch been your really cool. Meet, yeah. Yeah, when I watch your videos, when you meet your friends, I am so jealous. Because there's so many friends that I would love to meet, <laughs> including you. Yeah, it is actually so fun. Initially, it's kind of like, oh my God, you know, is this a real person? Am I going to be what they think I am? But I'm pretty consistent. <laughs> um, so it's been really fun. My mind's gone completely blank because it, it never usually does. It's okay. Um, I do that so, to people. Oh, do you? How do, how do you deal with those awkward moments? Because I think they're so cringing. They're so embarrassing. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. You know, when you're, a, when you're a therapist, you kind of get used to sitting in silence at times. Um and so I can like sit in silence and then sort of wait to see if something comes up for the person or if I point it out. Um, so yeah, I get kind of, I've been kind of used to it. Yeah. I mean, I can remember when I was, I mean, I've been in therapy several times and mm-hmm. there's been those silent moments that I'm like, are you, you going to say something? <laughs> am, I, am I meant to be speaking here? Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be awkward. Um, I think when I was originally in training, I was like, oh my God, I have to fill the silence. Then I sort of just like let that go. And typically somebody's going to say something, <laughs> whether it's me or yeah. the client, one of us is going to talk at some point. Sure. And that kind of segues nicely in what I wanted to, one, well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you, if that's all right, is how mm-hmm. does, how did your, how does one become like a, a therapist or a psychologist in what you do? Like, did you one day think, yes, I want to be that person, or did it... How how did that process work? Because I've got a really keen interest in mental health. 
Yeah. Um, so I guess I can go back a bit. My parents are from the Caribbean. Um, so they immigrated to the United States. Um, and I was born here in the States. And when I was younger, there were a lot of times where I felt like I could benefit from talking to someone. Um, especially the cultural piece of growing up in a Caribbean household, but being, you know, getting my education in like an American system. And we were rel- like, we were relatively poor also. Um, so I just didn't have a lot of resources. The biggest resource I had was my education. So one thing was that my parents put me in um, private school for like my whole education. Um, and I think I also went to prep school, which I actually didn't know it was a prep school until like a couple months ago, <laughs> because it's called a college prep school. But I didn't put together like, oh, my God, this is a, a prep school. I'm a preppy. And so uh, like we worked really hard. I would say the whole family worked to support me financially to go to school, like even my siblings, they would you know, use their checks to help me buy things. Um, you know, you have to wear a uniform to uh, private school. So we would like recycle cans and all kinds of stuff to just kind of get me through school. Um, I love and that. When you know, I was... of people coming together to help someone. I love, I honestly love that. Yeah. I mean, it's left me with a lot of almost like survivor's guilt because I was the one that was able to get the education and all those things that my siblings didn't really have a chance to. Um, but it's, I think it's very common for immigrant families to want their kids to be educated so that they can hopefully get more access to things and sort of make it out of the situation. Um, and when I was in prep school, there was a day where I was just having like a really bad day Um, And my experience was a little different from other students where I was coming like I was taking like two buses to get to school and things like that while some people were just driving nice cars. So I think I was just like stressed. And there was a um, she was a counselor. She wasn't like the college counselor. I can't even remember what her title was, but I remember her name was Miss Darling, which is totally adorable. And she just sat with me and talked with me. And I was like oh my God, I want to do that for somebody. So that kind of put me on the track of, I want to be the person that someone can come to and just sit with and talk to. Um, So when I went to university, I I majored in psychology. Like I was like, this is what I want to do. And my parents had no idea what psychology is. So they're like, what, what are you going to do? Just talk to people. Um, And part of my college experience was, of course, I was a tour guide. So I showed people around the campus. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. And as I was, I think it was my like third year in college, I was like, well, what do you do with a psychology degree? And everyone was like, nothing. (laughs) like, Like, okay. So, um, the admissions office where I did uh, the tours, they were like, oh, you need to contact this person. He will help you. And I contacted this 
um, professor at a different school, a school that was like 15 minutes from where I was going to school. And I was like, hi, like I'm a first generation student. I'm getting a psychology degree. Um, any help would be great. And he responded and come to find out he is one of the like fathers of black psychology, which I had no idea. So he essentially invited me to his office. I took my whole family, um, <laughs> like everyone, my parents, my sisters, my brother, love my it, niece, love it. like we were, he was probably like, what is happening? Um, so he honestly laid everything out for me. He told me what a master's degree in psychology was. He told me what a PhD was and looking at my grades and stuff, he was like, you can go straight to a PhD, which I didn't wow. know could happen. So did all of that. Um, and he helped me pick out schools and all of these things. And I went through the process. Like, I just remember it, it really was another like family experience. Like we went to the department store to get me a suit <laughs> for like my interviews <laughs> and stuff. It was just super fun. And like, a real family it was also, yeah, it was also really scary because going from California to like places in the Midwest, I was like, I don't know what these states are. Um, and so I did a lot of interviewing and I decided on counseling psychology, which okay. counseling psychology has sort of a history in social justice and kind of um, like a holistic approach to healing and therapy. It's a little different from clinical psychology where they spend a lot more time with maybe the, some of the more like, intense, I would say, um, like psychiatric patients, mm -hmm. not that you don't get it with counseling psych, but I just really loved that I could incorporate like social justice and different things like that. So I decided on counseling and I knew I wanted to, wanted people to call me doctor. <laughs> so those were like the reasons I went to get a PhD. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I just went to... <laughs> I went to a lot of interviews and I kind of just, I wrote down after every interview how I felt in the space. Um, and I charmed everyone, obviously. Of course, of course. <laughs> then I decided on the school I wanted to go to. Um, and then that's when my training officially began. Uh, so it was, I went when I was like, 21 or 22 I was so young like I can't just a believe few years ago then exactly like you know two <laughs> years ago uh, <laughs> I was just so young so now when I work with college students I'm like you do not have to do that like go have some life for a little bit take some time off or whatever because I was just so young um like now when I look back, I'm like, what was I doing in like a PhD program at 21? Like, that's insane. Um, did, you find, did you find learning all these, uh, I want to say things, but um, whatever it is that you learned, did you find the whole process easy or did, was it difficult or was some of it difficult, some of it easy? Um. I mean, I'm going to sound like a nerd, but a lot of the... Hey, like, nerds are great. <laughs> nerds are fabulous. Yeah, I totally embrace it. A lot of the academic stuff wasn't super hard. Um, okay. Yeah, it was... I mean, just because I'd, I'd been in school for so long, I'd been in these, like, private and prep schools, so I felt pretty, like, confident in my academic ability. What was hard was that I didn't know 
some of like the social aspects. So, you know, coming from a lower income immigrant family, going to the Midwest where it was like all white in terms of race um, Mm -hmm. and people who, there were quite a lot of people who just knew how to navigate the academic world. So there was a naivete about me that I actually think worked in my favor because I would just ask a lot of questions. So I'd be like, what, what does this mean? How do you do this? How do you do that? So I think that was actually a, it was helpful because I wasn't afraid to ask questions. Um, yeah, and ask questions, I had you don't learn anything. Exactly. And I, some people had the benefit of being able to ask family or whatever and my family was like girl we don't know (laughs) so (laughs) I had to find people that I could connect with and one of the people was my academic advisor like I still talk to her to this day she really kind of like held my hand and walked me through the program um so it was more of the social stuff that was a bit harder being one of the only people of color in my program Um, often being one of the only people of color in like clinical settings. Um, That was the kind of stuff that was harder to, I guess, manage, especially as such a young, young adult. Yeah, because I mean, did you say 21? Uh, I Mm -hmm. can imagine all of that kind of responsibility when I was 20. I mean, when I was 21, I had absolutely no responsibilities. (laughs) Yeah, and also when I was 21, I was getting into the, the stage where alcoholism was really starting to Mm. ramp up Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah good for you at such Mm -hmm. a young age achieving all that that is incredible yeah I mean I don't know if I would do it the same now that I'm older because I did miss out on a lot of some of those developmental things like um I had I didn't really date and I didn't really go out I, I didn't drink any alcohol whatsoever so when when people are like, oh my God, I was always drinking in college. I was like, I was studying. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I missed out on some of that stuff. So when I finish like you, my... You, you, you can catch up though. Oh, I'm doing it like 100%. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little later than some other people. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, because you're a YouTuber, um, often when, mm-hmm. well, I'm a, a fellow YouTuber, often when we do our videos we share things about our lives Mm -hmm. and one of the things that you share quite a lot is that you work with a lot of lgbtq plus people uh the bipolar Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. what is what is it um i mean does one decide to just work with those types of people or or were they drawn to you or you know i think a bit of a yeah i think a bit of a combination um by the way can i just say i genuinely cried when you said that it just warms my heart oh I love that I love that um I think it kind of developed in grad school so like I said there's this social justice piece around counseling psychology so initially I actually did work in um like eating disorders and body image sort of kind of from my own experience and then as I when I went to to grad school I was really religious like I was gonna marry a minister um and going to grad school like just really expanded (laughs) I know it really expanded my awareness of different things so I started to just learn more about 
other like marginalized communities. And I saw how much discrimination still happened within psychology and limited access and things like that. And honestly, I think a lot of clients were attracted to me in terms of they wanted to see someone who is a person of color or they felt like I would understand a little bit better. Um, So just as I continued, uh, when I, I initially worked at a counseling center for a large university and what we could do is we could offer sessions to people of color and then also we could offer sessions to Uh, the LGBTQ community in terms of they wouldn't have to go through the same process. They were able to like come in Tuesday at three or whatever it was, and they would be able to see someone who was an ally or advocate um, or someone who kind of just understood their experiences a bit better. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to provide services during that hour um, and just kind of like advocate for advocate for some of my clients. And so I saw a lot of folks who were just at the beginning of their understanding of their identity. And I just wanted to create a space where they could be who they wanted to be in my office um, without judgment. Just we can talk about whatever you need to. Maybe I'll understand a bit better because I identify as like several marginalized identities. Um, And then as I continued, I just kind of started to become known as one, the therapist who had cute shoes and bags um, (laughs) and fans, of course. And I just really tried to be as present as I could be for the various communities. So I think people started to see me at different things like the, um, the LGBTQ center. I went and did some trainings with them. Uh, I also went to like some of the, multicultural events. I just put myself out there a little bit because I always believe that we should go out into the community and not just expect folks to come to us. Um, So that was sort of something I really wanted to do. And now I'm kind of known as like the multicultural therapist. So I get a lot of um, BIPOC folks. I get a lot of folks who are within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I also get a lot of children of immigrants uh, and I get a lot of folks who have experienced like religious trauma. And my focus is a lot on uh, trauma from assault or any kind of experience like that. Oh my gosh. Hi. (laughs) He's so big. Hang on. I wish Rosé would come downstairs, but she's like at her window. (laughs) Yeah. Where's my friend? Where's my friend? Where's Rosé? <laughs> Let me see. Rosé! We'll see if she comes down. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, for Hi. the listeners, my cat has just appeared on screen. Uh, it just had to enjoy the moment. <laughs> he wants therapy. <laughs> I need therapy because I wake up with a sore hip because he sleeps in my hip. Oh, ouch. Yeah, Goodness. or if he doesn't do that, if I'm lying on my back, he'll sleep right on <laughs> my chest. And he is, let me show you, how, he's big. He's big. Wow. Oh, wow. Cats yes. really think that they're like, they really think they're light. <laughs> like, yes. Light as a feather. Yeah, because I mean, they often, we've got like this um this table that he jumps onto to get fed. And yeah, sometimes he misses. 
Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So to make like, because we've got like um, wood and laminate throughout to make it less of a fall, we've got like a little bit of it's like a mat in front of the table so that it doesn't slide. Yeah, the things okay. that we do for our mm-hmm. pets, honestly. Alfie, I'm gonna have to put you over there because you. I know. I got some. I got some. Uh, like stairs for Rose. <laughs> so she has like a little set of stairs. stairs that she can just easily. Like, yeah, I mean, I buy her a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. I've seen. So I was she, like noticing. Oh, she's very spoiled. Yeah, I wanted to just help her be able to get onto higher things, and so I bought her some stairs. <laughs> oh, that's so cute! I love that. I love that, and I also love how you say because a lot of people say, um, "I'm a pet owner," but um, I love how you say "pet parent." I love that. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, cause, and because I, I don't like I mean, to think I, that we. I mean, yeah, we do pay for them, but we don't like we own, own them. them. They have their own yeah, souls. yeah, yeah, and I adopted her. Um, and I feel like she kind of chose me, so maybe she owns yeah. me. <laughs> I think that you did. Was she described as sweet and sassy? Is that right? Yes, <laughs> sweet and yeah, sassy, um, and she really can't, is. Can't think who she would get that after. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, I'm babbling on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just. Uh, Babble all you like. People are here for okay, it. Okay, good. Because um, like, when I, when I, like, one, one of the things that I uh, loved when I listened to podcasts, it's like the minutity of life. It's like I love to, mm-hmm. I love to know how people live their day to days. You know, like how they have their cups of tea or mm-hmm. maybe a conversation that they had with the neighbor. I don't myself do the whole, mm-hmm. um, like neighbor culture because I find it quite intrusive and mm. a bit, bit toxic because none of our neighbors speak to us. Are you serious? Is that okay with you? Um, yes and no. I like it because they leave me alone, but I don't like it because I don't know why they don't approach us. Because we, we honestly, I mean, yeah, it sounds a bit conceited, but we are really nice people, and we'll, we'll right, talk to yeah. Any, we'll we'll talk to anyone, yeah. But mm-hmm. the, the neighbors are just like if they see us going past, they'll be like <gasps> the nerve. I would totally talk to you. Oh, thank you. I love that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a, a mystery. Maybe it's because we are in the LGBTQ community, or mm. some. T- and also, uh, me and my husband were both autistic, and sometimes that can be a bit mm. weird. Uh, mm-hmm. d- do you ever have any autistic patients or clients? Yes, um, do. I do. I do. I. It's interesting because when I was in training, I was initially like, I'm not sure how to, you know adapt my like approach to someone who's autistic like I hadn't known much about autism um mm-hmm. but working at a college campus really like helped me to understand a bit more about autism um so now I have a couple I would say maybe for sure two maybe three so it's a, a smaller part of my population um but definitely like it's helped me to be more aware of things like how I phrase things or, you know, when someone isn't making eye contact, that doesn't mean that they're like not paying attention to me yeah. or anything. Um, and I notice my clients who are autistic actually prefer to be seen in person because if we're yeah. doing teletherapy, it's just a little harder for them. Um, so I try to make that as, 
accessible as possible. And I've had a few folks where they didn't necessarily come in with the diagnosis, but after time we've been like, ah, okay, that's what it is. You're autistic. (laughs) So it's often brought a lot of people like understanding um, because they've walked around feeling like what is different about them or, um, I mean, sometimes we joke about if a person took a joke literally <laughs> so yes. we'll, like laugh yeah. together about like oh yeah you took that literally and it really wasn't <laughs> yeah, like, so I, I, like I, I love all, like I love all kinds of sense of humor but sometimes it takes me just a second to realize all oh, that sarcasm yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean something that I bring into my therapy is laughter um so not necessarily laughing at the client for anything but sort of just laughing together about like yeah they really didn't mean that (laughs) (laughs) let me help you figure out what they did mean um because I think a lot of times like I do deal with people who have some more I would say like what's the word like some diagnoses that are kind that have like a lot of stereotypes so people Mm -hmm. who are autistic or people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Um, And that can make just life a little bit different and tough at times. So a lot of times it can be helpful to just laugh about like, yeah, that's totally you being autistic right now. (laughs) I've had people who, you know, unfortunately um, have like auditory hallucinations or things like that, um, or even visual ones. And we'll sort of joke about it like, yeah, I don't really think that there's a dragon in your bedroom. <laughs> and so we'll like, just laugh about things that, you know, I think oftentimes some of those diagnoses just get a bad rap. Um, yes, they do, especially when, um, I think we t- uh, we've talked about this personally before, when you have things like uh, TikTok diagnosis groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You cannot get a diagnosis from TikTok. It needs to be from oh my a qualified gosh. doctor. Yes, I, (laughs) over the past couple of years, I actually, I read something where there has been like such an increase, I think like a thousand percent increase in using the word gaslighting. Um, And I've had so many people come in and with these diagnoses where I'm like, I've literally never encountered someone with this diagnosis in my entire career. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you don't have it, but I'm like, pretty sure you don't. Um, Especially for like personality disorders. Oftentimes people are not coming in and saying they have a narcissistic personality disorder because that's kind of like completely against what someone (laughs) with that disorder might do, especially if they haven't been diagnosed. Um, Like, I don't know anyone who's a narcissist that's going to say they're a narcissist. Um, Um, So I I can really appreciate... Yeah. (laughs) I can really appreciate the fact that people can find community or they can find other people who have those same experiences. Um, But I often caution... Yeah, because a lot of people, because um, like, sorry to interrupt you there, it's just while it's fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have access to things like therapy or yes. even just, you know, able to make yes. a phone call to a helpline. And so I think mm-hmm. it's really good to find that you have your tribe so you can talk about these things yeah. in a healthy manner. Um, but mm-hmm. As for, you know, like having a TikTok, like, no, 
So is that something that yeah. <laughs> that you? So is I mean, is that something that's within your remit that you that you can diagnose these conditions, or is that something that you would pass on to someone else? In terms of in like, terms of like if like would someone come to you and say I've got X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. and then you would take would you mm-hmm. take them through a process and then diagnose them with something? Yes. So one difference with counseling versus clinical is clinical is a bit more focused on diagnosis from like my understanding, not being a clinical psychologist. Counseling is more, we don't, I guess, focus on diagnoses as much, but we do have to like know how to do it. Um, So sometimes people will come in. And one thing that I've noticed is if they've been to doctors or psychologists or psychiatrists or anyone before, sometimes they come in and say, this is what I've been diagnosed with. And I often ask, like, do you know what that means? And do you agree with it? Because I don't think, unfortunately, in my profession, I think sometimes we don't explain things well. So like, what does depression mean? Or what does bipolar disorder mean? So oftentimes, I do a lot of what's called psychoeducation, where I tell them, like, these are the things that um, are like the symptoms and things like that. Like, does that sound similar to what you're experiencing? Because I just really want people to know what it is that they're struggling with. I think especially within marginalized communities, it's easier to just throw around a diagnosis and people are wondering what on earth does that mean? Yeah. And like, if a doctor tells you, like, typically we believe them. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, do. Been, I mean, people... there's been so many times when I've been just to like a regular general practitioner, mm-hmm. and I've said what's what my symptoms are. They mm-hmm. all like all I used to get was right. Okay, here's some medication. Go away. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I can understand that. I mean, and what, what are these I mean, meds for? I mean, uh, I just meant, think that you know? it's important for us to really just explain it, and that just really helps people to understand. So. I think especially within like BIPOC communities, there are some diagnoses that are, it's kind of like over diagnosed. One thing that I can think of is um, a lot of diagnoses within the black community. And sometimes I frame it differently. Like, of course you're experiencing trauma. You are a black person in America or whatever. Like you're at a heightened level of, I guess, agitation for lack of a better word and so of of course you're going to feel anxiety or depression or all of these things but when someone comes in with like tiktok or instagram uh or i call it dr google um, (laughs) we of course like my clients know now they're like okay i looked on google (laughs) this is what it said, and I'll say, okay, let's, we've consulted Dr. Google. What did Dr. Google say? And then I talk with them like, okay, what makes you think that you have this diagnosis? And sometimes I'll say, you know, from my experience, I'm not quite sure that that fits, but I never say like, you know, you totally don't have this. But sometimes I just talk through with them. What makes you think you have this? I do or don't agree with you. And I also encourage people to seek other doctors. I'm like, you could go to another doctor and they're like, Dr. B is so wrong. You totally have this diagnosis. (laughs) So (laughs) I always encourage folks to, you know, seek out other things too, because I, I'm not always right. I mean, I'm right like 99% of the time, but (laughs) sometimes I, I miss stuff. Um, yeah, we're all human. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, there's a thing in the UK, um, I mean, I don't know if it happens in the US, um, perhaps you could elaborate. Um, mm-hmm. There's been such an increase in people being diagnosed with ADHD. Is that something that's also happening in the US? Yes. Um, I think over the years, it's just increased like exponentially. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. And I think also coming from a, you know, working at a university counseling center, just noticing students who are typically like, I was a straight A student in high school and now I don't know what's going on. I can't focus. I'm really disorganized, like things like that. So I I do try to kind of parse out what's just being a regular person um, versus what might be something that is sort of getting in the way. What I often tell people too is something is diagnosable when it starts to get in the way of your life. So sometimes I've had people, like I can do some assessments that's also a little different from clinical psychologists. They tend to learn a lot more about like different clinical assessments than maybe counseling, um, than maybe counseling would. But oftentimes I'll explain a bit about ADHD and how it might present itself. It also can show up as an adult. And sometimes it sort of shows up in different ways where you might have been able to get through high school fine. But once you got to college and it's sort of a different environment and different way of teaching, that ADHD might pop up a bit. And a lot of a lot of diagnoses are, I guess, like similar to one another. So mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm thinking, oh, this must be depression. Then we start treating the depression and the symptoms are still there. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's anxiety. (laughs) Then we start treating the anxiety. Symptoms are still there. And then it's like, you know what? It might be ADHD. Um, So sometimes you've got to like work through different things to come to the conclusion. I know for a lot of people it can be frustrating, but I don't want to say, yes, this is it for sure. If I'm still trying to figure it out with them. If I'm all right to ask, um, like you don't have to give names mm-hmm. in anything because I know that you work confidentially. Can you think mm-hmm. of like of, of like your your proudest moment as a professional in the mental health field? What's what's that been? Because mm. I know you must have some incredible moments watching people's progress. Yeah, I mean, there is just something about seeing someone heal that is just so like powerful. Like it makes me emotional, like seeing clients go from, I always say, I wish I could take a picture of clients at the beginning of therapy and then a picture of them like at the end. So what I do try to give clients is when we're coming to the end of our work together, I often try to express to them how I've seen them grow and like my hopes for them and what I hope they continue to work on. But I think one of my biggest, I guess, accomplishments, one of my proudest moments was I was given a Woman of Influence Award. Um, oh, wow. From the, yeah, I know, right? So cool. From so influential. The, <laughs> right? I'm an influencer. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was when I was working at that university counseling center and there's like, a president's commission on something. And what I didn't know is that one of my supervisees and one of my colleagues wrote a letter nominating me for the award. So when I found out that I won, 
I was sobbing at work because I was like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't even know this was going on. And the award was because I started the first therapy group that kind of expanded to several that was specifically for sexual assault survivors. So it just felt like, like I didn't start the group to get any sort of accolades or anything, but it was just, it was really nice to be recognized especially for something that was just so dear to my heart. Like I I left that job. And one of the reasons it was so hard was because I didn't want to leave that group that I started. Um, Because it's just, there was like, I, it was my favorite part of my work week. And people were like, how is working with trauma your favorite part? (laughs) But there was something about the healing and the community and helping people to have, you know, I guess to like be advocates for themselves and they like came together and helped each other. Like if someone saw a perpetrator on campus, they could call one of the group members and be like, Hey, I'm at the cafeteria or something. Can you come help me walk to class or something? People went to doctor's appointments with folks Um, We went to um, like reporting things to the police. It just felt like it was just so intense and so um, rewarding. So to get that award, I was like, wow, I'm a woman of influence. (laughs) It was pretty cool. I got a plaque and everything. I felt I felt really good. That is so cool. And I am so proud of you for doing that. And you should absolutely feel so proud. Um, now that we've talked about some of your work, let's get on to your other mm-hmm. obsession, and that's YouTube and makeup. How did all that start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. So I think it initially was more about nails and, like, nail polish. That was sort of my thing. Um, and part of that, I think, came from I play the steel drums. And so sometimes oh, okay. we would be recorded, and they would they would be recording, like, our hands. And so I was like, my nails have to look good. Um, So I really started being into nails. And one of my sisters, we would go like every couple of weeks. It was like our thing. We would go to the nail salon. Um, So I got kind of like obsessed with that. And then I would say a couple of things. Like my mom has worn red lipstick to church and other places like forever, which I thought was really cool. It's like her color. Yeah. And it was really cool because there had been this sort of like perception in the makeup world that darker skinned women couldn't wear red lipstick. I'm like, well, my mom's been wearing lipstick like forever, red lipstick forever. Yeah. yeah. So I started like looking into makeup and noticing that um, there wasn't a lot for folks of my skin tone. And then it just like became an obsession after that, or I like to say hobby. Um, (laughs) And it just turned into an extreme hobby. Exactly. It's like an extreme sport. Um, So it went from like having all these nail polishes to me thinking, oh, let me try this eyeshadow. Oh, I like that one. So let me try this other one. And then it just kind of like took off. (laughs) And I think. I started doing YouTube Mm. as a way to make myself feel better for buying makeup. (laughs) I was like, well, if I'm buying it, I might as well. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I just, 
everyone would always be like, oh my gosh, you should like do YouTube or something. And I'm like, nobody's going to watch me. <laughs> um, so I initially just did it to, to talk to people, I guess, even though I'm just talking to the camera, but yeah. no one else in my life is like as obsessed with makeup as I am. So I'd be talking about, oh my God, this new palette came out and people are like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted like a community of folks um, that I could talk with. And I also wanted to share like what I had learned, especially having a darker skin tone, um, like things that work on our skin mm -hmm. tone and different things like that. So it just, it kind of just took off. I don't even know how all of a sudden I have all these eyeshadow palettes. <laughs> <laughs> like someone I don't know tell how me. It happened. So yeah, someone <laughs> like put them in there. And it's so funny when I moved into my current home, I didn't have anything set up. I didn't have a bed set up. I didn't have a couch or anything. But what I did have set up was my makeup room. <laughs> Absolutely. Priorities. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And I, I, I honestly find you one of the most entertaining people to watch on the internet. Oh, thank you. I honestly do. Whether, <laughs> whether it's one of your stories or whether it's just a facial expression, I find you hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that my face gives everything away. <laughs> like, uh, we would be like my colleagues and I would be in staff meetings and all of a sudden I would get like a text and they're like, fix your face. <laughs> because I would be like, just so expressive. I honestly, I think part of it is a cultural thing. I feel like when Caribbean people tell stories, like we're so animated, like we act out things and we just like take on the role of each person. And so it just comes sort of like naturally, even in my family, I will like be acting out the story, not just like telling it to you, but like showing it to you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's not even like, I don't think I could not do it. <laughs> it's sort of just how... I am, which is so interesting because when I was younger, I was so quiet. Like Thank I was you. the kid that was, no one believes me now. I, I don't <laughs> I believe like, that for a minute. <laughs> see, everyone says that, but I was so quiet. I was so shy. I was the kid that was in the corner reading a book. I don't know when it like turned around, but I used to be like the quietest person in the family. And now I'm like one of the loudest. <laughs> yeah. No, like, honestly, no one believes me nowadays. <laughs> like, I think, but, you could, I think you could easily believe that I was a really quiet child. I didn't talk to anyone unless it was like one friend. Mm -hmm. no. But then when, as like with a lot of people through uh, the pandemic and things, you mm -hmm. work on yourself. Yeah. And uh, I was actually saying to someone the other day, I literally could not listen to like two seconds of my own voicemail never mind mm. any of this and so I wanted to get past that and I did and here we are yeah. doing a podcast of all things I know <laughs> yeah you know I think I got more comfortable hearing myself in grad school because we had to when you're in training as a therapist you have to record everything and so I had to hear my voice over and over and I was like is that how I sound um, and also like my mannerisms <laughs> So that's where I learned to like chill out on the facial expressions because on video I would be like, oh my God, I cannot make that face. Now I include it in my therapy because it's, it's just who I am. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I was, I was super quiet. And then I also feel like the most random things happened to me. And so like when I got lost in an elevator, like in a building, I'm like, who, who does that happen to? So it's just like. Is that, what, is that when you thought you'd like, you came out into like a different building altogether? Yes. Oh my God. Like who does that have? It's just like, this doesn't happen to everyone. It just doesn't. So I always feel like there's a story that, it's just like shenanigans is what I call it. Like there's oh, always I love the shenanigans. I am just I'm a story. So for it, like love when Rosé, like Rosé escaped the house and I was like running down the street, like screaming Rosé. Like it's just, who does it happen to? Yeah. Um, for the, <laughs> yeah. For the listeners that aren't familiar with that story about <laughs> Rosé escaping, would you like to tell them? <laughs> oh my God. So I was working from home and I was supervising one of my, um, the beginning therapists I supervise and Rosé was just like sitting here and all of a sudden she just like busted through the window and (laughs) that day I knew something was going to happen because I opened the window just a little bit more than usual. I was like, this is a bad idea, but I was (laughs) like, I don't know why it's a bad idea. And she, I don't know what she saw. I think it might've been another cat or something, but she like broke through the window and During the pandemic, working from home, every day I got up and got dressed for work. This was the one day that I had on, like, just a long t-shirt. So she jumps out the window, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I am running after her. Like, I, I go through the door, and you see on my, like, doorbell camera, you see me run out. But then I run back in because I'm like, oh my God, I only have a t-shirt on. (laughs) And then I like run back and then I'm like, oh my God, I don't have any shoes on. So you just see me like running back and forth into my house. And then I was like, never mind. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to go find her. So you see this like black woman, no shoes, a t-shirt on screaming rosé like running down the street and then I like I wasn't sure where she was but I could hear her crying so I was like oh my god like where is she and I thought she was in the tree and literally my thought was like I don't know how to climb a tree like how am I gonna get her so (laughs) so then I'm like do I need to call the fire department and then for some reason I like just looked over and she was like in the potted plant of a neighbor and she's just like howling and I'm like Rosé Rosé it's me and (laughs) she doesn't like being picked up so I was like oh my god how am I gonna get her back in the house so I managed to pick her up and I just like run back to my house and you know she runs into the house like nothing happened And then I still had to fix the window. (laughs) So it was just like, (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so I sent the video from my doorbell camera to my family. I don't even know if, I'm sure people saw me (laughs) because it was just, it was still early in the morning, like before people went to work. And it was just the, the most random sight. Like, if someone was running down the street, half-clothed, yelling <laughs> rosé, like, I would be like, what's so, I, happening? Is that women looking for wine or what? 
Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, why is she screaming? Like, is she going to start screaming champagne? Like, it was just so, so weird. And then I just had to get back to work, like seeing clients. And I was just like telling every client the story. <laughs> Oh my god, that oh was so ridiculous. Goodness. I oh I love that story. It was so funny for us, but probably not for you at the time. No, it wasn't because you could hear in my voice like the anxiety and the fear. Yeah. Um, because I was just like, Oh my god, baby. this cat Yeah, and you know, she had never been outside, like ever. I would try to get her to go outside. No. And then all of a sudden she's just like busting through windows and like running away it was just the crazy and so I was like you're never going outside again like you're never gonna smell fresh air all the windows are gonna be closed (laughs) (laughs) you're a prisoner (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah just all these random stories that happen oh my goodness Shani I have yeah I, I love the stories and I absolutely love this opportunity to chat with you thank you so much of course, I'd love to do it again. You know, I've got lots of stories to tell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and if you've got a topic and you want to come back onto the podcast, please do. And um, before you go, is there anything that you would like to promote? or And where can people find you? Where can people find me? They can find me Both, on my YouTube like. channel. On my YouTube channel, um, it's Smiley Shawnee. And then on Instagram, I think it's Smiley Shawnee underscore 83. Um, sometimes you... Definitely on my YouTube, you will hear all of the shenanigans. Um, I there's confirm. always something happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go subscribe, people. From Go subscribe. getting lost in an elevator to my dating history, like, you just hear it all. Yeah, you certainly do. Shani, thank you so much for this chat. It's been so incredible. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. That was my chat with the legend that is Smiley Shani. And of course, head over to her YouTube channel and subscribe. Check out all of her shenanigans. Her channel link will be in the show notes. Don't forget to follow this podcast if you're new. We would love to welcome some new listeners and leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your streaming services from. Thank you so much for listening. Wishing you a fantastic week ahead. We will see you the same time, same place next week. In the meantime, take good care of yourselves and one another. Bye. Thank you.